Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God with me today. Father, we thank you for um, we thank you for today. We thank you for just the weather this week. We thank you for friends. We thank you for people that are visiting our church. We thank you for people that get to go on vacation today and just rest. We do pray that over these next few minutes, God, that you would anoint the word that you have written through men and given to other people to share with God's people. Century after century after century, the same stuff Paul was talking about, we're reading to each other now. Nothing lasts that long, just your word. And so we pray that it would land directly on people's hearts and that people would, people who struggle with feeling like I, I'm unforgivable, they would realize the truth. People who say, I'm pretty much a reject, um, I've always been a reject, that they would realize the truth. People who um, don't walk in power, that they would realize the truth today. I, I just pray that you would bring revelation truth to people's hearts, and that we would walk in a nature that's not even seeable with our human eyes. That's the big step for us today, to say yes to things that you can't even really see and say no to things that you can actually feel. We pray for that transition that only comes by the Holy Spirit leading us from one place to another. Reveal Christ to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I really enjoyed the, the series we've done on the vision tenets, which are these. We're not going to do that every year in depth, but we've had so many new people start coming that we felt like it was important to do that again. And I feel like now everybody pretty much can talk about the four vision tenets. I mean, you can look at one of these now if you've been here and say, well, that's living in love means, and to stop making disciples means, which was kind of the goal. Well, we, we feel like these are really important things. And so we're done with that now. We've prayed. We've sought the Lord together as a staff. We believe that the Lord has led us to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to jump into Ephesians for an extended time period. We're going to be there for a while. There's so much in Ephesians. 
Um, I can remember about three years ago, I was about seven years into ministry. I was really struggling. This is why we have a church here. I was really, really struggling with performance, with self-hate. There used to be times where I would say to myself, and I don't tear up much. Um, when I always talk about this, I usually tear up. When I talk about Rudy, I tear up. Complete home makeover when they show and they move the van, I tear up. <laughs> but I used to, when I was a youth pastor and probably the pinnacle of my youth pastorness, we had just giant ministries. And I used to go to bed at night and catch myself. I literally said this to myself, I hate you, I hate you. I'd catch myself saying, I hate you, I hate you. And I wasn't prompting myself. And I knew, <laughs> I think something was wrong if that's your phrase that you say to yourself. And it was because I had no idea how to live in what Christ had given me. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea how to live day to day. I didn't really feel like I was forgiven. I had an extreme dread or a sense that I was going to hell. I was a youth pastor. I felt horrified that even though I said all the right prayers, I said with my mouth, believed, that even though that happened, I was still going to go to hell. Like, this was my life. And I don't really know how it happened, but I remember jumping into the book of Ephesians, and for the first time, not feeling like I had to compete, I remember feeling like when God said you're forgiven, not feeling like I'm not forgiven. I remember, this is, this is how I know things are real. I stopped fearing about hell. Like, people that talk about that now, there's a lot of younger people especially that have this dreaded sense of going to hell. That's just a lot of people. I don't ever struggle with that anymore. I'm not bragging, but if I'm going to brag about something, that's probably something to brag about. I don't feel like I'm going to hell, ever. I don't ever have the struggle. I'm, and, and it used to be like what consumed me. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be able to live this out. There's really no way to be Christian. I hate Christians. They're all fake. Uh, I don't like hanging out with Christians. I'd rather hang out with lost people because they're funner to be around. All of these things, but now I, I love it. Like, I want to do this. I want to give my life for this. I want you to do it. I wake up doing what I want to be doing, but it's not because of anything I'm doing. It's because the Lord somehow through the Holy Spirit took me from these awful mindset core lies that Eric always talks about, these core lies that I just believed were so true and walked me to this new land. You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about they're sending spies in to see this new land which is a kind of a, a foretaste of this new land that's to come in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our new land, and we, we can now live in him. And so, why for you, Ephesians? As we prayed, we felt like many of you need to know who you are in Christ, that an outflow of that is living for him and wanting him. And so we prayed, we sought the Lord, and then we started looking at the book of Ephesians and realizing this is a, a book about the unification of the body. And it's about walking in your identity so that you can... Be a part of unifying the planet. You know, Jesus has one vision. It's John 17 where all men would come under the lordship of Jesus and in love, fall in love with one another and be a part of his church. Complete unity. He came not to provide more divisions. He came to pr provide inclusion in Christ. It's crazy. And so I feel like that's why Ephesians is a really big deal. So I'm going to read you Ephesians. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump from verse to verse a little bit. So I'm going to read you Ephesians chapter 1. You can open your Bibles. Or open your apps and click through Ephesians, E-P-H-E-S-I-A-N. <laughs> I will definitely misspell that if I keep going. Uh, New Testament, after the Gospels, Acts, there's some stuff that happens and it's all Paul. Ephesians 1, 1 through 2. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> sure, it was the baby. 
she went, when you have a baby, you can blame everything on the baby. I'm sorry, Jamie. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 2. If you want to pull this up. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from the God of our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So just a couple quick things about this book. Originally, the, the word Ephesus wasn't really in it. It wasn't specifically written to them. It was actually a circular letter written to all the churches. A lot of people actually say this is the queen of the epistles. If you're going to jump into one, they would actually say, jump into this one because the content is so deep and good for the Christian walk. It's considered his greatest work in this environment for the, for the people he was writing to. And so I love how in this chapter, or in, especially in this first chapter, um, Basically, if you start from verse 1 all the way through 14, which is what we're going through, Jesus is mentioned in every verse. And I just checked it just to make sure, but in every verse specifically pointing to Jesus. Um, I love that Paul, when he takes the gospel to people, he has this way of realizing his unworthiness as he's giving it. And so people really want to hear it. So he doesn't ever come across unattractive to God's precious or what I would, I would say God's lost or God's precious. You know, people who need Jesus that we can take him to. Paul has this really beautiful way of talking about it to people and people wanted it. This actual verse, verses 13 through 14, is actually one sentence. So everything that you read from 3 to 14 is one sentence. And I can relate to that because I have no idea where to put commas and periods ever. Sarah has to edit everything. I'm texting myself, Sarah has to edit it. Paul writes one long sentence, That's th and it's considered the longest outpraise of, of worship and a talk to God in all the epistles. Um, also, it's thought of to be, in a slight way, controlled ecstasy, which for some of you are like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm dipping out. But in his writing, this is, in a slight way, controlled ecstasy, writing to his Father and Lord, because he's tasted and seen how good God is. You heard what Bill said last week when he was talking about the story of Paul, how he was, you know, a Jew among Jews, and he was um, a hater of the Christian and fought to have them killed. And so he's the person who is redeemed by the Lord, brought into the Lord's presence, sent out by the Lord, and he carries Jesus in such a way that people want to hear him. And he's just this genius, you know. And I love how it says in all of his letters, grace and peace to you. Because, you know, when we think about grace and peace, just real quickly... Grace is giving you something that you don't deserve, right? That's we we have our kids to find that giving you something, and he's walking in an understanding of that. And peace is something you can feel, but it has nothing to do with your environment. In this letter, Paul is writing from house arrest. This is written from arrest, where many of us would be like, all we're focusing on is getting out of this situation. Paul lands in situations where he's either being tortured, jailed, hurt. And he considers those places of peace, which baffles my mind. And, and I think it restructures how we feel about the walk that God's called us to. It's not going to ever just be about you getting what you want, you know. As we start today, before I even read this, you know, and we're going to talk about spiritual blessings. If you got everything you want, you would not live Christ's life. It wouldn't. If, if everything that you wanted came to you. And in a way, the peace of God that he gives and he's asking us to walk in is peace that comes when things are happening that we don't want. Does that make sense? Real peace in Christ. 
Real peace for us is when things are happening in life that do not make sense, that we do not like, and still existent in us is some form of peace. Peace is that thing that exists in us us when we know we have to make a decision that we don't want to make, but it's the right thing. But underneath all of that, you feel that calm peace. The opposite of that is when you know you make a wrong decision that is not led by the Lord, the feeling that you feel inside is the opposite of peace. Existent in us as believers in Jesus is the presence of peace because Jesus is peace. He lives in us and we can walk in that. And it, you know, Rachel, thank you so much for sharing again, you know, the, the walk you're going through. God's peace can be provided in that and, and you can mourn in that and his peace is so supernatural that he can give it in that. And I love that you talk honestly about it, you know. I love a community that can share about when it's not really great, you know. Can I just be honest for a little bit? I'm just going to Sarah said, oh, no. I'm preaching on all of these things today. Like, these are so important. I don't know that I've felt one of them all week long. I'll just be honest with you. Last time I was talking to Sarah, I was like, I don't know that I've felt any of I definitely don't feel chosen. I feel like the biggest jerk, like, all day long. I definitely don't feel redeemed. I definitely don't feel adopted. You know, I don't feel like he was, I don't feel these things. So how can I even preach about them? And I think it's a choice. It's a choice you have to make. Because in a minute you're going to hear about, like, basically what you see over there. And we're going to keep these tacky whiteboards up. It is what it is. I'm not going to worry about making it all pretty. The the line on the top, the opposite of it is, is right here. Okay? So I definitely live out of this more. I definitely, and, and when you feel ignored, you definitely do dumb stuff to get people's attention, right? When you feel inferior, you, f- you start to perform. Inferiority complexes create some of the craziest individuals on the planet. That's where gang members come from, inferiority bill. That's what I was. So forfeit the right, I definitely don't feel like I have the right to Christianity. I definitely don't feel like I have the right. I definitely don't, I definitely feel like a lost cause. Abandoned, you know, like rejected I feel rejection so much it doesn't even make sense I'm a pastor how can I feel rejection that much I feel it all the time I want to be so honest here this I want to be honest about this because this is so hard to talk about in churches and I don't want to I'm going to I'm going to read passage in a minute you know can I I always used to be like when someone leaves your church you know like pastors just need to suck it up right like it's not like this I shouldn't, I shouldn't be going here, but I'm going. You know, it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't feel personal, right? I hate how personal it feels. I hate that in me, like, if somebody's like, well, we came, we saw it really wasn't for us. Or even worse, when they leave and they're like, you're pretty much an idiot, and we hate you. God bless you, though. Bless your ministry. I hate, and I know in my heart, God's in control, all those things. But, like, I'm such a human. It's for, like, is, should I not be dancing here? I'm dancing. You have to watch me dance. <laughs> Thank you. And it, it is because for, for me, and this isn't pressure, like half of you are already going to leave. And you're like, I'm staying now. Don't do that. I would actually sit across from you and say, if God is calling you somewhere else and you really feel like it, it's time to go. It's still it's painful, though. It is. I wish it wasn't, but rejection, you know. They don't want, oh, we, but we're doing it perfect. We're like the perfect church. How could you not want the perfect church? Like, that's my mind. But I've, I walk so clearly in these, like just honestly, I'm so, 
It is a conscious choice for me to go from here to here. But the moments where I can be like, all right, everything over here makes total sense. Like everything adds up over there. I'm choosing. That's what I had to do this morning. I'm choosing today to know, Lord, you did choose and call us, you know. You chose and call us to lead this. And it's not in our own strength, so I don't have to worry about that. And yeah, I've been redeemed. And I've got more junk in my trunk than everybody in here. And all of us can talk about it. And so, I'm just going to jump in now. I'm sorry. <laughs> why, why is he writing this to a group of believers? This is, a, this is a, a book written to a group of people who already believe. Which is kind of, he's not writing this to people who are lost to tell them like, be saved. So you can These are people who already know Jesus. And it's a good confirmation that you who are in Christ can grow still. Always. Be very wary, weary of the person who can't grow in Christ anymore. And who always has the answer and is never transparent and is never struggling. Be weary. I wouldn't share a ton with that person. Because all of us need to grow. If you're not growing, you're always called to growth. The farthest along, like Billy Graham, you know, like in his book that he wrote, one of a hundred million, he always talked about, I I feel like I did it great, but if I just prayed more, I just prayed more, I just prayed more. You know, everybody who's farther along in life, they have these things they point back to. I could have grown so much more there. Be willing to grow. This group of people was hearing a book, and these are things that he wanted them to walk in because if they can live out of these things over here and stop living out of these things, then the, the Great Commission can happen, right? The Great Commission can happen. All of these things are for us to take Jesus to people. And so, can you pull up verse 3? Um, you guys probably hear me. I, I pray this a lot. I, I find myself praying the same prayers a lot. Um, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You've probably heard me pray that over you. God, I pray that you would bless them in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. So what is that? You know, like, what is every, what are the blessings? We're about to get into it, but I can tell you what it's specifically not. It's not a plan to make you a better person than other people. It's not about your bank account growing it isn't not about that, but it's not about about that. Does that make sense? It's not about you going from good job to better job. It could be about that, but it also could be about you going from good job to not as good job. It could, it's not about you getting a bigger house and, and having more of a platform. It could be about you downsizing and having less of a platform. The kingdom of God and the blessings within make you look more like Jesus than like Rocky or the president of the United States. They make you look less likely to be the one who sits at the head of the table in a situation and more likely to be the one kneeling at people's feet and washing them. So that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm is not about you dominating your, your friend group. It's not about you dominating life. It's not about you dominating the American dream. It's about you becoming more like Jesus, which may cause you to one day die for him. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm equips you with everything you need to not be about you. It's not be the best version of you. It's not all about your gifting, all about your calling, all about a church that finally lets you do what you want. It's about realizing that the heart of worship is the unification of a group of people. It's about using your gift in a way. You want to know how the gifts of the spirits are supposed to be used? Did unity happen after it was used? 
that is, that is the Holy Spirit's way to use a gift. If you ever are the person in a group that's using your gift and every, all the tables are flipped and everyone's hating one another and everyone's fighting, you used it incorrectly because that's all they're for. The gifts of the Spirit are for the unification of the body. I'm, I feel like I've already been on like tangents, but you're going to have to walk with me, guys. You're going to have to learn how to forgive me. You see what I'm saying? It's right there, forgiven. So deal with it, okay? These benefits are also not from our realm. They're from a realm that will exist forever. A, f- a, f- a phrase that jumped in my head this week is, Christians have it good and bad because they have to rely on a love that never started and a love that will never stop. There was never an initiation point for the love of Jesus towards us. Never. There was never a moment where the, the Trinity was like, wouldn't it be cool if we just decided to love? It had always been. So Christians rely on this to be, and it's from this realm that's not our realm. And so it also means that these things are eternal. And so this morning when I was praying, God, I feel like a pastor who does feel rejected. I do feel unforgiven. I'm totally to, bl- <laughs> totally to blame. Like, it felt better to know, well, I'm not pulling from this realm. I'm pulling from a different realm. And that realm, it doesn't have to make sense in this realm. I love that. So why do so many people struggle when we start talking about every spiritual blessing in heaven? Why do so many people walk around like feeling unforgiven? Why do so many people not live for Jesus? Why do so many people feel rejected all the time? Why? You know, I, I have a couple of theories that, that I just want to throw at you, and some of these might sting. I hope they don't, but some of them might shake you. One of them is it's just hard to believe. You know, like it's, it's really hard to believe that's the one, you know. Another one is people like to work. You know, when... When you see these, it's easier to work at it than, than receive it. Can you guys hear me? It's easier to say, all right, I can do, you know, it's, it's Peter in, in the New Testament. It's this idea of, no, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for you, Jesus. But you have to look at Jesus at some point and say, what you're trying to give me, I'm, I'm unable to do. I'm unable to do it. I can't do it. And if you approach him in any other way, you can never have these. You can only have these if you want to do it. Yay. If you don't ever want to do it, you can have these. If you want to do it on your own work, if you want to pull up your bootstraps, if you want to American dream it, here's what you get. Yay. Enjoy abandonment. Enjoy the feeling of death. Enjoy the idea that you're to blame because when you step out from underneath what's given, this is all that's there. This is what the Pharisees did. And then they even turn it into, this can be used as slander. When you don't know how to walk in this, then you also, walking in this, reject people like this. The ignored, ignore them. If you're walking in this, the inferior, keep away from me. I'm, I'm not inferior. Because when you're working, you can be a little bit better. Those who have forfeited their right, you know, like, can we, <laughs> those who shouldn't be coming into our country, you know, they forfeited their right to this because they're not a part of our country, you know. We don't have compassion for them, Right? You know, those to blame, kill them. We need to kill ISIS and the Taliban because they're definitely to blame, right? So are you. So am I. All of us. And until we come to terms with these things, that they are all us, they are. Those are us. That's what we did. That's what we do. We can't have this. But here's the most beautiful thing about the gospel. When you walk in this, When you know, that's why it's so important. That's why we preach identity all the time. 
If you know these things and are confirmed and you believe them, they start to settle in, you can totally be around all of these people and love them well. And they start to see this in you, and they don't work harder at this. They start asking questions that remove them from this whole mindset. And then their mindset shifts. I just said, just did it. Some people have been saying, this is on. People have been saying it's going to be such a short time before somebody drops a curse word. I just dropped a curse word. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. So, Chris, it's your fault, buddy. So, I'm going to move forward. Totally didn't mean to, or I didn't and did. You see this also set in on people at different times. Why does it land on some people differently? And you can always tell when somebody starts to get these things because they start to live. You can, they live lightly. They're a joy to be around. Like the Christian that's a horror to be around, that always has something negative to say, we all love that person, right? No. The person who has experienced this like exudes otherliness, exudes you're important. It's so easy to see in people. They fight for the gospel in the right way, right? By washing feet, not by pointing a gun. It's, so why does it set in? I'm just gonna, this is where I thought I was a minute ago. Many of us have hard lines when we're really just morons in Christ. And we usually draw the hardest lines the younger we are in Christ. Here's the way it's got to be. And we live in our own prison because we're just certain here's the way it is. I prayed for God to forgive me. I did. And then I did all those dumb things. And you want to tell me that Christ still loves me? Yes, I want to tell you that. That's not the way it works. He is a God of judgment, a God of law. He is. He still loves me? I'm telling you, he still loves you. No, he does not. You're trying to perform. If you're dead set on that path, you will never walk in those things. Until you say, I continually am a moron and continually make the wrong decision. I continually do what I do not want to do. I continually say yes to my flesh and no to the spirit. Until you can confirm that in yourself, that's the truth. You will only live here. You can never live free in Christ. It's got to be handed to you. I love how, and I'm going I'm to read this to you in a minute. I'm just going to say this. You've got to be open to listen for those who have drawn the hard lines, you know. And here's how you know if you've drawn a hard line that's not biblical. Do you always feel overwhelmed? Do you never feel chosen? Do you never feel any of those things? There's a good possibility that you've drawn a hard line that is not a Jesus hard line, right? Like a Jesus hard line would be turn your other cheek. Like don't fight back. Like there's a, there's a good possibility that if you had never have those, you've drawn a hard line in something. Why draw hard lines? We draw too many hard lines as Christians. Why do we need to draw lines? To put some people over here and some over here, right? God is saying, let's remove the line. You know, we're going to talk about the mystery in Christ in a second. Here are the specific benefits, though. I'm just going to, I'm going to jump through these. If you can bring up um, verses 4 through 7. Read with me, guys. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to, to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. You can pull up the next verse of chosen. I am not jumping into predestination today, guys. All you theologians are going to be like, We'll talk about that. All I'm going to say is before time began, this whole plan was in place. 
the plan to prov- You want to talk about how things never turn out the way they look? The, if you would have been alive at the beginning when everybody's playing with butterflies and jumping through rainbows and wearing, like, we all can jump high and it's light, and you would have told me, oh, yeah, well, there's this flood coming and God's going to wipe out a generation of people and he's going to bring... Uh, He's going to bring prophets, and there's going to be sin that enters the world. And, oh, yeah, there's going to be this guy, Jesus, that is me. You couldn't have seen any of this. But here's what I will confirm, that even before any of that happened, this was the plan. The plan was for you to be able to receive Jesus and be chosen through adoption as sonship and daughtership. That was there from the beginning. That's solidified, firm. There would never be a point where you would be able to serve for it. It would only ever be someone, and so we don't talk about predestination. God knows who he's going to save. God knows who he's not going to save. You want to talk about that? I'm not talking about that. We can talk about that sometime else. But I can talk about any person that says to Jesus, I've heard your message. I believe it will become sons and daughters of God. Anyone. I don't care who it is. It can be Osama bin Laden. It can be George W. It can be anybody. Anybody. If they look upon him, as we'll see in verse 13 and say I've heard about you Jesus I believe it in my heart those are who become and that was set in place before the foundation of the world we are just now responders to that so the first one chosen can you bring up the next passage this is John 15 16 you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name the father will give you Redeemed. What does this mean to be redeemed? This, act, this word actually points to people who are slaves and people who are in prison being freed from both. Redeemed means bringing back to full what it was originally meant for. Look, okay, this is why I hate when people use the line of, of talk with people who don't know Jesus. Are you a sinner? Have you sinned? Yes, yes. Then you need to repent. Okay, awesome. It's going to be an awesome day. That doesn't work. But if you tell somebody, you were originally in a plan where you were created in the image of a Savior, have you ever felt like there's something missing? You originally had this design where you you actually look like him. You look like him. When you're talking to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, this is a better argument. Do you ever feel like something's empty? Jesus is the thing. He's trying to redeem everybody back to its original form, back to the beginning. And so redeemed, you can pull up this passage. I'm going to read you this real quick. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He becomes what we need to be redeemed, which is why he's in every verse 3 through 14. Adopted. For, For this group of people, adoption was a big deal. They had rituals. They had... You had to say the new name of your family three times. You had to, there was a ceremony. But the biggest thing about adoption for this culture was everything that was part of your past family going into your new family now didn't matter. If you owed $100,000 in this old family name, it was canceled at the moment you said, my name is now Josh Turner of the Turner family. You now don't have to pay any of the debts from Josh so-and-so 
of the past family. You're freed from all of it, and now you also receive everything from this new family, including name, son, daughter, Josh Turner. And you get everything that's available in that new family. This is what it's talking about to you. And the nature that you come from is the nature it just talked about, the cursed nature, the one that because of sin we all enter into. And I just want to read you 1 John 1.9. I'm not even sure if I'm there yet, but I'm going to read it. Can you pull up that? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is talking about sin nature. I've preached this to you before. The word is hamartano, and it means that in every one of us there exists, after sin, a nature we're born into. We're born into a sin nature. We don't, we're not born to be people who sin. We're born into a nature. And that nature, when you receive Christ, is transferred, and you have a new nature. And all of the debts from the old nature, which for me are re- real, the harm I did people, the debts I actually owed, financial debts, the, the sins that I committed, the people that I abused, the people that I harmed, all of these things in the past are forgiven, and I now have access to everything new, and it's what you have. You have access to everything new. And the last one is just this idea of forgiven. And I love the picture here that it talks about as if a person was tied up with ropes, and then someone came along and clipped all the ropes, and they were free. That's what it is to be forgiven. And so for you today, just interact for a moment. We're great on time. Which one of these boards do you feel like you live out of most, right? Which one do you make your decisions out of? Which ones do you plan your weekends around? Which ones do you choose your friends around? Which one, like, even do this, like, where do you... Maybe you feel like you're kind of walking over here more towards this. Or maybe you're like, homeboy, I'm all in the lies. Totally living out of these lies. And you're right here. Where, if you were on this stage legitimately, where would you be in relation? Would you be over here? Would you be over there? I want you to interact with that. I want you to know where you're at. 11 verse 9. Can you pull that up? Verse 8. Um, and I'm going I'm to jump through these things. Verse 8 talks about how... Uh, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. This word actually means to have. Everybody say to have and still having. And, and lavished gives the picture of getting a jug and continually pouring it. But it's not stopping pouring. It's just water endlessly. To have and still having. For the, the person who feels like they're too far, he's trying to lavish this on you. He's trying to pour a jug that has no bottom on you of this stuff. And he's saying to you, stop trying to earn it. Sit down. Be quiet. I'm going to lavish on you. I I thought about doing this, like getting an actual jug and pouring it on somebody. And I was like, that probably wouldn't work really good for that person. But they would remember it forever. Imagine me right now just throwing water continually all over you. You're like, All right, buddy, I got enough, but it doesn't stop. Never. Just continually, continually. That's what he's trying to do for you. Forgiveness? Don't go to the Lord with how you're unforgivable. Don't do that anymore. Let's stop that. Really? You sinned? You're human. All right? You you believe it's your job to be perfect from now until the end of time? Then you don't understand the gospel. It's Jesus' job to be perfect. It's his job to redeem. It's your job to walk in it. He's just trying to pour it. The unforgiven person in here. Imagine him walking up to you and saying, I know everything you did. I'm, I'm just dumping water all over you. 
the person in here who's rejected, the, the one who knows that they're inferior, he's trying to pour identity all over. He's trying to say to you, I chose you, you're mine. I just want you guys to walk in these things. I feel like if we do, it'll be big. 9 through 12, and then we'll, then we'll stop. The mystery in Christ, right? Like, what is it? He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. This idea is, who, does, do people, raise your hand if you actually knew what the mystery in Christ was. Don't say it. This is, this is a little bit of a curveball. The mystery in Christ is not about this depth of his love that we're, it's going to come through us. The mystery in Christ talks about for the Jew and the Gentile. See, in this group, divisions were a big deal. And so the Jews thought, you're going to fill us and you're going to choose us and you're going to use us. But the Gentile didn't think they were a part. The mystery is that, listen to me, Jews. We're going to include everybody now. The mystery in Christ is it's not just about you anymore. We're including the Gentile and then future generations. The mystery in Christ is we're about to unify everybody. We're taking this to everybody. There's no more dividing lines. There's no class system. There's no he's more important. There's only going to be people who need Jesus and us taking Jesus to them. The mystery in Christ is a beautiful thing because it teaches us how to take the gospel. Everybody's worthy of Jesus. We can do that, right? So last thing is... Um, 13 and 14, you can do these really quick, and then I feel like I'm long-winded. I'm being a little bit bill today, but that'll be the new adjective. It was really good, though. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. First time the Holy Spirit's mentioned in this passage. I love it. Jesus leaves, gives us the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit's job? Can you hear my phone, Sarah, right there? What's the Holy Spirit's job? I think... When we think about the Holy Spirit, typically if you're from a Pentecostal tradition, you think people are going to start getting healed. There's going to be some loud folks up in here. If you're not, you think there's crazy people running around. There's possible Everybody's joke when they find out you're a spirit-filled group. And it's not even, we, would, we wouldn't label Pentecostal. We would, I like spirit-filled better. It's always like, are these, is this where you keep the snakes? Isn't that always the joke? Like, where do you keep the snakes? Here's the Holy Spirit. I want to just read you a few things, but the Holy Spirit has a really, really big job in you, a giant job in you. Without the Holy Spirit, you're unable to see even the truth of the Scripture. Without the Holy Spirit, you're unable to believe Jesus is who he says he is. Without the Holy Spirit, you're unable to have power to go forward. Without the Holy Spirit, you're unable to love your brother and sister well. Without the Holy Spirit, you're unable to use the gift that God has placed in you for the body, which people will be healed. There will be prophecy. There will be word of knowledge. There will be word of wisdom. These are all things only found in the Holy Spirit. So we can't shun the Holy Spirit. Like, that's the wrong thing. Why do we want to do that? We can shun traditions that have abused the Holy Spirit. Let's shun the mess out of that. But let's not shun all the good stuff. We can't even see Christ clearly Without the Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit in every part of your being. I want your Holy Spirit to fill me. If you have to come to terms with a bad theology that you heard about this, 
Come to terms with it. If you have to ask tough questions, ask tough questions. The Holy Spirit is a beautiful gift called the counselor, comforter, to come alongside. I want to read you this really quick, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be done. Once you are saved, and I'll give you this article if you want it, email me. Once you are saved and belong to God, the Spirit takes up residence in our hearts forever, sealing us with the confirming, certifying, and assuring pledge of our eternal state as his children. Jesus said he would send the Spirit to us to be our helper, comforter, and guide. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, John 14, 16. The Greek word translated here, counselor, means one who is called alongside and has the idea of someone who encourages or exhorts. The Holy Spirit takes up permanent residence in the hearts of believers. Romans 8, 9, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Jesus gave the Spirit as a compensation for his absence to perform the functions towards us which he would have done if he would have remained personally with us. Among those functions, and I'm just going to throw three things at you, he reveals. You can't have insight without the Holy Spirit. He's the revealer of all things Scripture. That's why I challenge you to look at the Bible as a living thing. When you sit down to invite the Holy Spirit to say, show me what this means. Show me because he reveals all of it. He reveals to you. The Holy Spirit led you to where you are before you even knew it. It's what put that thing in your heart that said, this is probably real. I'm going to respond. The Holy Spirit, as you walk up to the word, shows you. The Holy Spirit shows you that in you, every one of you, is a gift for the body. And he desires that you walk in it and use it. The Holy Spirit, it's impossible to live the fruit without. You cannot love. You cannot let someone live in your house. You cannot give someone hope if you don't have the Holy Spirit. So let's stop hating. And I don't even feel like our church hates on the Holy Spirit. But let's give him access, right? Why draw boundaries around the Holy Spirit? And that is not a cue card for dumb things to happen. That's a cue card for I will obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because without that, I can do nothing. And so your last thing today, we're going to just, if you guys want to go ahead and stand and worship, if you want to come up, I want to give you guys some time to respond. We're going to have some prayer teams. I'm going to ask you one question. Where do you stand? Where do you stand on this wall? Okay, so, so kind of get this in your mind. Look at this, look at this, where do you stand? Is there one of these things that jumped into your heart and said, oh my word, that's totally me? Is one of these, you know, is one of these what you're living out of? If so, we're going to pray with you and we're going to destroy a lie. That's what we're going to do. The word of God is like a hammer. That destroys. And so today we just want, if that is you and there is something here, I want you to take yourself to pray with some people who can help destroy it so that you can start walking in these things. If one of these things jumped out to you and you're like, dude, I don't even understand what that even means. Redeemed? Take yourself to someone, let them pray. Father, we just we thank you for your word. We want to we go into full access and full identity and walk fully in who you've created us to be. And today we just pray that you would send your hand of your Holy Spirit down. Let it f- 
come through the surface of our, our hearts and lead us into what you're saying to us. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you in this moment right now? What right now is he saying to you? Let him speak to you. What is he saying to you right now and respond to it? Father, we want to be obedient. Just for the next few moments, respond to the Lord. Receive prayer if you need. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.